Hello, I'm Tim Bousquet, and this is Examiner Radio. Examiner Radio is the weekly radio show and podcast that covers news, politics, and all things Halifax. Coming up... You know, next time you take a fight on, it's like you cry wolf too many times. They're crying wolf now. They've got to go to the wall with it. That's Joe Jessup. She was the longtime leader of the province's biggest union, the Nova Scotia Government and General Employees Union. Given what's happening with the teachers, we wanted Justin to help us understand the strategy behind a fight like this. First, though, let's get going with Examiner Radio episode number 147. Terratire! Hi. Hi. I, I, I'm not supposed to do that. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> you're absolutely not supposed to do that. Um, but you know what? I love the uh, the emphatic hello. So uh, <laughs> it's good to see you. We haven't seen you in like four weeks, it's five been, weeks. It, it's it's been four weeks. It's been uh, and a your while. your absence has been duly noted by um, all, by my mom by all <laughs> listeners, <laughs> including my mom. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know what? It's good. It's uh, it's good to be back. I always look forward to uh, you know sitting across the table from you here. Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming back. Um, I've been ill and yeah. uh, other uh, ailments, <laughs> which I won't go into. But uh, uh, glad to have you back on to help along here. Yep. No problem. Uh, as usual, this show is produced by the Halifax Examiner. Uh, produced means the examiner pays the bills for the show, and that in turn means we wouldn't have this show or the examiner without listener support. So please subscribe online at halifaxexaminer.ca. Weekend review. You got a bunch of stuff for me. Yeah, I have a few things. What's uh, up? First, let's uh, let's do a recap of the uh, the teachers. I think, uh, uh, being that we have uh, Joan Jessam on the show, um, I think it's important to put her in context, that conversation context. So I just want to go over some sort of facts and, and details yeah. of what happened this week. So it's been um, a busy week. It has been a busy week. Yeah, on an, and on Tuesday, that's when uh, the members of the Nova Scotia Teachers Union. They took their vote, and the results were uh, 93% voted. Um, they cast ballots, yep, and it was 82.5% um, voted in favor of possible strike action. So that's um, just a little more than three quarters of the uh, people. Total, total yeah. membership. I guess the context of this is uh, two weeks ago, the government published what the report by Avis Glaze, who's an educational consultant, came forward with uh, a series of 22 recommendations, uh, most notably doing away with school boards, but a bunch of other stuff too. Yeah, actually, that was a that was a few weeks ago. Um, so they were going to uh, so the province accepted in the spirit of all 22 and said they would implement 11 of them right away for the school year, including getting rid of the elected school boards, replacing that with one advisory council. And a big one for the union was removing principals and vice principals from the NSTU. Yeah. And um, the legislative um, initiative to make all this happen will presumably be uh, put forward when the legislature meets next week. 
So this is um, imminent. Yeah. To to just impose these, I you know I I, I th- when I saw the the Glaze report initially, and even teachers I know on social media were like, well maybe you know maybe some of these things uh, are a good idea. They, th- there wasn't immediate opposition to it uh, in its whole, but uh, then almost immediately, like the next day, uh, the government said, yep. We're we're going to do this. We're just going to impose this, and I, I guess it came off, uh, understandably so, as very heavy-handed. Very just. We're not in this to negotiate. We're not in this to have a broader discussion about these issues. We're just going to do it, and that created a us and them kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had a number of groups that said, like the black educators who said, look, we really weren't consulted about this at all. And there have been numerous reports before that have talked about issues facing um, African Nova Scotian students, issues in the classroom. And uh, so we need to deal with this stuff first, um, these long uh, standing issues. Um, yeah, and, and again, you know, so a lot of the criticism was a, a revolved around uh, this report seemed to be very um, targeted and very specific and uh, very directed. And the it was it seemed to be clear that the province was saying, no, 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 we want you to focus on this one little sliver that fits the direction that we want to go in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, here's a, a fun fact here is that the last time there was a um, a vote, so the NST voted for an illegal strike, was in the 90s, in the really? John Savage years. Yeah. And that was at the time when the Savage government, they were proposing to amalgamate the 22 school boards into seven regional school boards. Oh, geez. Yeah. So it's kind of a, a case of deja vu here. Yeah, it is. Anything uh, else? Yeah. Um, I, I want to ask you about uh, Abdul Abdi. Yeah. Um, so uh, we've been talking about um, uh, Abdi a, f- a number of times, and I know L. Jones has been written, uh, writing about him a lot for Halifax Examiner. Uh, and you were at this session with the immigration minister, right? Yeah, it was Wednesday evening, 5 o'clock, something like that, uh, over at the YMCA on Gadigen Street. Mm-hmm. So the immigration minister, Ahmed Hussan was coming to Halifax and said, well, let's do a town hall meeting. Uh, to his credit, you know, um, willing to get out there and, and take a bunch of criticism. Uh, and there was a bunch of it, you know, a pretty full crowd at the Y. And um, some uh, silent protesters all uh, on their backs written the letters uh, Free Abdul. Mm-hmm. And stood up in the on the sidelines there, and uh, he uh, engaged with people on that issue. Uh, his basic line was, "As immigration minister, uh, it's my responsibility to step in when and intervene when I see human rights abuses." And he said he could not speak directly to Abdul Abdi's case. Um, because of privacy issues. But he said that uh, the issue of children not being granted, uh, children in, in state care not mm-hmm. being granted citizenship is outrageous um, and not right. And he said that um, uh, he was personally has experienced anti black racism in Canada. He knows there's systemic 
uh, racism against Africans in the immigration process. He acknowledged all that. He kind of gave a wink and a nod <laughs> to the audience that, don't worry, I'll take care of this. You know, right. but as L was there, yeah, she says, "Well, you know, your government's still taking this action against him. Um, he he could be placed back in jail at any time now, which would mean solitary confinement and uh, deported. Mm-hmm. And they're not; they haven't stayed these proceedings, right? Because um, uh, I believe Abdi's lawyer issued a statement basically saying, look, nothing has changed.' Yeah." There's been no movement on this. By the way, what was the reaction of people in the in the audience when uh, when the, the minister was talking? You know, you were talking a hundred or so people, and everyone had a different kind of attitude. But the sense of the room was, "All right, buddy, we hear you. You know, we we respect you. Uh, you're here talking to us. We respect that. You're saying the right things." But we've heard a bunch of people say the right things before, and you're kind of the the latest and uh, best looking, if you will, iteration of this. You know, uh, uh, a black immigrant from Somalia himself, very well spoken, educated, uh, well dressed, good looking guy. You know, talked the lingo, understood what the African immigrants' issues were, understands racism firsthand. Uh, so they got all that, but it wasn't enough for them. Mm-hmm. They they want action. Right. The case was in federal court last week, and uh, I think the um, Abdi's lawyer was arguing for a um, uh, basically a delay in the deportation hearing. And uh, it looks like we'll get a decision before March seventh. So that should be coming uh, within the next week. Yeah, his statement, uh, Benjamin Perryman is the lawyer, he says the system failed Abdul. The system still requires him that he be ordered deported. The system failed Abdul, but the system still requires that he suffer. The system failed Abdul, but the system still requires that he be placed in legal limbo and stripped of his human dignity. That's where they're coming from. Yeah. I want to talk about something else that kind of has been troubling me and has been on my mind. And I don't, this is a case. Are you going in, to upbraid me about something? No. <laughs> <laughs> Only if you say this vile phrase ever, but I know you wouldn't do that. This is a case in uh, St. John's, so out of Newfoundland, and uh, that came out this week. It was a, it was a case and it involves a female, young female reporter doing her job and she was interviewing a counselor at the time who's who's now the mayor, um, and basically someone drove by and yelled out the vile phrase, which, uh, you know, the shorthand is F her right in the P. Okay, so Heather Gillis, that's her name, she uh, snapped a photo, decided, you know what, I'm fighting back. She put this on Twitter. Um, the um, the police were basically encouraging her to report Con- it. Contacted her. Yeah. 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 Um, and so she, she did. went to court. Um, and the charge was, uh, I believe, um, causing a disturbance. And the question was whether this was a criminal offense. And yeah. the decision this week was, no, this did not meet the criteria for a charge of, oh, sorry, disturbing the peace. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a similar case here in Yeah, Alabama, huh? uh, absolutely. I mean, here's the thing. We we know that this happens all of the time. We 
I hear about this, and yeah. I do worry about my own students when they go out that they'll have to experience this, Hell right? yeah. I mean, it only happens to young women. Right. Nobody else has to you experience know, this. I, I'm an old dude, you know, middle-aged white guy, whatever. None of this ever happens to me. But I, I, I survey the landscape, the media landscape, and um, there are so many young, talented women reporters. They're the future of the field, frankly. I mean, mm-hmm. they're 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 doing the work. Uh, they're putting the effort in. They're they're um, uh, they're the hope for journalism. And to see them have to deal with this harassment uh, almost day in and day out, really. Uh, yeah. If it's not this, it's something similar to it or, or, you know, echoes of it. Yeah. And we're seeing this across the country, right? I mean, we've had um, uh, a couple of incidents here that we know, you know, that have been uh, that have been uh, where the reporters have like, OK, I'm going to fight back about this. And part of the, the issue now is what is the deterrent, right? What is the um, the stick that we can use that would pr- that would you know, tell everybody that this is a bad thing to do and you shouldn't do it. Well, I think even even in the cases, you know, I mean, the courts will do what the courts do. Um, but the rest of us can shame these people. Uh, people have lost their jobs because of this, you know, uh, for yelling out this phrase uh, and have suffered, you know, this, the social repercussions of it, which is absolutely appropriate. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, this case is uh, coming up in Halifax Provincial Court next week, and this was the one involving uh, the CTV reporter, uh, and this, hap- this incident happened just before uh, New Year's. This was in a bar. Yeah, and this was in a bar. Um, and that charge is public mischief and causing a disturbance. That is definitely going to be one to follow and to see if... Yeah, thanks for putting that this. back on the radar screen for us. Mm-hmm. So let's take a break. When we come back, we'll hear from Joan Jessen. You're listening to Examiner Radio. I'm joined in the studio by Jonathan Jessam. Hello. Hi. I didn't know how to introduce you. Uh, Past president of NSGU. What are you doing now? I'm uh, enjoying retirement, spending a fair amount of time with grandkids, but I opened up a small business, a craft and home decor, doing weddings and and bouquets and all that kind of stuff, just keeping my creative side working. That's great. Yeah, it's very enjoyable. Thanks for coming in. You're very welcome. We asked you in because... uh, uh, couldn't think of anyone better to address um, this current situation going on with the teachers who isn't directly involved. Uh, you have a lot of history. I, I <laughs> certainly do. I've probably had the most strike votes, most strikes of any uh, president in the NSGU's history. Yeah, what do you make of what's going on right now with the teachers? I don't think they have any other choice. I mean, you know, it's two pieces of legislation, one last year and then, again, this report this year. They don't have the right to strike at the moment um, because because they're not in a bargaining position. The only thing they could do to ask the government to halt what they're doing to get to a table to discuss it was to take the illegal strike vote. Yeah, we we are talking on Thursday late afternoon. Um, the situation is pretty fluid right now. Um, there was a strike vote. Tuesday, mm-hmm. uh, overwhelming support. 
uh, for authorization. And then the the, the union executive uh, turned around and said, um, well, we have this vote. Uh, we want to meet with the minister and, and the premier. And the message back was, yeah, we'll talk with you. And that's where we sit right now, I think. Well, just on that vote, you're talking 93%, I believe, of the people that are eligible to vote voted. 82.6% voted in favor of illegal job action. Yeah. You can't underestimate the power of that vote. I mean, these are people that uh, do, I mean, they teach not to do illegal action, and here they are willing to do that can, to back up their demands. Can, can we explain what, uh, why it's illegal and what it means and, and if they did? Well, it's it's illegal because they're not at the bargaining table. They've had a contract imposed, so they had a rough year last year. So they're they're not at the table. They haven't gone through the bargaining process. They haven't reached an impasse. Reports haven't been filed with you know conciliation services, Department of Labor. They haven't started a countdown to a strike. So they none of that is happening this year. They're not in a position for several more years to do this. So now they the vote that they've taken is a message to the Premier and to the Minister of Education and, and to the public and, and themselves, of course, that the issues are so extreme that we are willing to be extreme in our actions to, to have them addressed. Do you think they will strike? I think that's a possibility. Um, you know, they have uh, certainly have some significant issues on the table. And it, it's like anything, you know, you can only, you have, when you go down the road so far, you got to continue, you got to get to the, the end. You can't just go so far and pull back because yeah. after a while you have battle fatigue and they've had it, you know, with the year last year and with this going on, with this report that's going to be implemented, the House be opening up next week, uh, you know, legislation is supposed to be written and being ready to be tabled to implement the report from the, the recommendations from the Glaze report. They are, they're on, in a time clock here. They've got to find some, some significant way to say, okay, we're good. We can we can stop this. You say that union people are taught not to do illegal. Uh, they strikes. teach. They teach. Yes. Who, who, who teaches and and what's the context there? Well, I mean, they would talk about illegal actions. I mean, in any of the subjects, I mean, you talk about you know social studies, geography. I'm not. I've long time yeah. since I've been in school, so they may not even be called the same anymore. But they, you know, they they know that the some of the students that they deal with are involved in illegal action. So it's not something anybody starts their career thinking they're going to do something illegal. What what uh what are the possible repercussions for an illegal strike? Well, for, I mean, I've been down the road. I've had uh, several illegal strikes. And um, Bill one, Bill 68 in 2001, we were out for two and a half days. Um, they were going to issue injunctions against the union immediately. They had fines. They were going to fine myself as president, the union, and each member. They did the same thing when we went out with the nurses in um, 2000. And, and, and were those fines imposed? The, phone, the fines were in the legislation, but we went back to work and, and we never, they were never implemented, so we never had to pay fines. Um, but that's the first thing they do, have an injunction to stop the illegal action. And in that, in that would be written, um, and they don't need legislation for this because an injunction, you just go to the labor board, it's right. illegal action. I guess the counter-argument that I hear out there is that... Um, this uh, imposed contract is itself illegal, so, you know, this could all end up in the courts and 
Yeah. So join the other pieces of legislation where the government has imposed contracts, um, the one on the teachers, but they've also tried that through the years um, with the NSGU. When you take something to the court, you ta- you end up going to Supreme Court of Canada, and that that's a very, very expensive process, and it's a very lengthy process. Some provinces in B.C. and Ontario, they've been very successful going that route, and even Saskatchewan with the right to strike and the right of association. So there, there's good law being being made, but it, the process to get there is, is, is a while. I mean, they're talking about the long service award, which is a negotiated benefit in, in some contracts that's been there for over 40 years. They've now eliminated that at effective April 15th of uh, April 1st of 2015. So that's one area that they're going, all of the unions are talking of taking it to Supreme Court of Canada and haven't reinstated because the government negoti- just uh, dismissed that through legislation, yeah. took it out of the contract. Yeah. Um, are you surprised that it's come to this? Oh, not at all, actually. I think the Glaze Report was, th- the response or the, the recommendations coming out of the Glaze Report was just answering the questions that the Premier and his his Cabinet asked. That wasn't anything new. I mean, he wanted the boards to spend it, and he wanted a way to somebody to blame it on. And, and, I mean, if you listen to what the Minister of Education is saying, he's saying, well, you know, we the public don't want us to have another report and not, not implement the recommendations. So why all of a sudden are they picking this report to implement the recommendations when they've done that? They really don't do that and in, in any other report. So they're using the report to get what they want. So the report was not written in a way, was not, it was not yeah. for the classroom. It really was to get, get rid of the principals and vice principals out of the teachers' union and to get rid of the school boards. That, that, they're all opposition people, right? The school boards are very oppositional and they're very political. Right across the province, you can go to a board and say, hmm, that's a Tory board or that's a Liberal board. Huh. Very down, You can see that. You can see who they are, who's represented. So it's oppositional. Yeah, well, that's interesting. It's additionally interesting to me, and maybe I'm just not in that day-to-day union battle like other folks are. I understood the battle earlier this year or last year, I guess, with uh, wages and long-term service awards. I understood what the benefits to workers, you know, uh, direct monetary issues involved. This is not that. Arguably, there's some uh, arguments about uh, financial benefit to the union or, or detriment by taking the, the principles out. But uh, this is about more about policy than, than about um, how any one person is going to benefit. Uh, this fight really is about the classroom. It's about the students, uh, the supports that teachers need to do their job, the amount of kids that are in the class. This, these are the issues that teachers have been talking about for a very long time. They they tried to raise some of these issues through bargaining, but it got clouded with the bargaining process, and the employer or government was able to use that as, the, you know, it was just them being greedy. This time, teachers have taken an illegal strike vote. That is significant, and it needs to be admired, to be quite honest. Secondly, it, it isn't about dues for them. It's not about losing the amount of dues. Yeah. The government wants to paint it that way. It's about losing the connection between the principals and vice principals. And, you know, teachers will, in, in any workplace, they want to advance to positions. Those are positions they could advance to. They are in the bargaining unit, which is, is a, a safe, safety net for these, for them to be able to move from school to school, seniority and all that. You don't get that in an association. There's no logical reason to take them out. What government is asking them to do, they can do where they're at now. I mean, they, they, they manage the school. They run the school and day-to-day, and they don't need to be in an association to do that. What's your read on this government? What, why, are they, why are they coming after the unions to this 
this degree. I mean, you experienced it. Oh, I experienced it. I've still got the yeah. scars. Um, I, I think they're just, they have found, for the most part, the public has no no uh, sympathy for unions. They first of all, they don't understand the role of a union. They don't understand that if they um, if if people in the, and I'm talk public service because that's my my area of expertise. And if people are not working and making decent livings living in the public sector, then they're not spending any money in the private sector. And those connections are just never made. We don't. We don't have. We're not successful. Unions have not been successful getting their message across. Yeah. To you know, to beat back the messages from government. McNeil has taken a lot of pride, and he, he believes that he got elected because he's a union basher. And he had, I mean, he's also not very honest either because when he elect, when he ran the first time in the newspaper, he said he supports and respects collective bargaining. He has not done that for one single contract. Every contract that we've been in under this government for since they've been elected the first time there's been controversy. There's been strikes. There has been, you know, like he's gone after constitutional rights. He's taken away bargaining unit rights, voting rights. I mean, there's just it's never ended. So I, I'm with you on the uh, the uh, public ed- education about the importance of union. Uh, seems to there's been a failure there, uh, and it's a long time making. I, I remember um, some months ago during the last uh, uh, iteration of this battle between the teachers and the in the government, I was um, in a bar, and the owner of the bar just happened to be there, and he was uh, going on about how the evil teachers union or whatever. And I, I just stopped him, and I said, you know, and I just happened to be there, uh, and I said, you see that table over there? They're public employees, you know. That table over there, they're teachers. Um, you're uh, you're railing against your customers. Exactly. Maybe unions have become kind of off on their own a little bit too much, and I think there's a failure on the part of uh, journalism to actively engage unions as well. Um, you know, every every paper has a business reporter, but no one has a labor reporter. You know? No, there used to be labor columns years yeah. ago in, in the newspapers. I used to go into school years ago and talk about unions and health and safety. That doesn't happen anymore. So... The curriculum has been you know, turned over by people that don't support unions and have been written. So we've been written out, written out of history in a way. Yeah. Um, but and the, this is 35, 40 years in the making. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. My grandfather was uh, walked with Bill Davis yeah. in, in the mines that day. He was shot at. He had a bullet go through his coat. I didn't even know that until after I got involved in the labor movement. And so like, I didn't know the history, and I was part of it. Yeah. yeah. So we're not teaching our kids. And... And you're right about you know going into any any place that uh, in the private sector, and they they are not very complimentary of of union leaders in particular, but certainly not of unions. And the first time anything happens with a union, for instance, today it's the teachers, and there's any inconvenience to the public, all of a sudden everybody you know they all hate teachers. They they're useless. Get rid of them. They're paid too much money. That's the first route they go, rather than saying, okay, what is the issue? And if I'm going to be inconvenienced for a couple of days, does that mean that my child is going to have a better education for the rest of their education time? They don't ask those questions. They just automatically go to the anger that's been bred into them to think that we are evil people and that we're not citizens, we're not taxpayers. I had a person in my neighborhood who didn't want anything to do with me. Uh, my other neighbor's saying, well, we didn't realize how angry he was. He's, and I thought, and he's borders my property. And I, and I said to him, I said, well, the next time you talk to him, because he's a construction company owner, I said, next time you talk to him, tell him that the people I represented are the ones that buy the houses that he builds. Yeah, yeah. 
Let's, you know, make the connection. It seems that uh, Stephen McNeil is getting mileage out of this where he thinks he is. Uh, well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here because you've got um, you got the meetings now being scheduled, not not set up yet, but being scheduled with the Minister of Education. They've asked the unions asked for the Premier to be there. They will need to go to the table and make a significant move because they're they're saying they're not moving. They you know they're willing to talk about, it, but we're still going to bring legislation in, which is already written. It certainly can be amended before it's tabled and even after it's tabled, but. They, when they get to that table, the issue some, there's going to be some there's got to be some movement on both sides, or they're not going to reach any kind of agreement, and we will have we will have no legal strike. The um, the missing element, and maybe people don't see it as importantly as I do, but the missing element that's missing now that was here some months ago w- was the students. Um, you know, there there was interesting student activism in support of the teachers mm-hmm. last year. Um, you know, there was hashtags, uh, 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 students for teachers and people showing up, uh, thousands of students showed up at the legislature to demonstrate in support of teachers. And, um, so far I haven't seen that. There's a demonstration being planned at noon on Tuesday, February 27th at the legislature. So it'd be interesting to see what the difference in, in the numbers will be. The, um, it's easier to, to probably engage students when it's not, you're talking illegal action yeah. today versus what happened last year. Um, and I think the, the issues are, are cloudier um, because don't forget, they've been through this. Like, there's a sense of battle fatigue. Yeah. They've been going through this for almost a full 12 months. They've had, they've spent, the government spent $20 million on committees to look at issues that, that were brought up through the fights of last year. Nobody seems to think, you know, a lot of it's been resolved. They started that pre- um, I'm not sure the term, but where the kids came to school at, at the age of four without enough teachers in place. Right. So like they're they're making they're making government's making decisions, but their planning's not there to make sure that it's successful. The issue around the Glaze report and the school boards, and that's far removed from from what students would understand. And the other the other issue is that that's been lost in all of this is the teachers are the ones that are, have taken the illegal strike vote. But there are literally thousands of other workers that work in those schools, bus drivers, monitors, um, cleaners, uh, maintenance, uh, educational assistants, secretaries, board secretaries, librarians. There's uh, uh, people who work in the cafeteria. All of these support, all of these workers support the classroom. And they're lost in this because they are also going to be impacted. People are all of workers that work at school boards across the province. They're going to be impacted. Will they be shoved into another school where their hours be cut? Will somebody that, that's now casual will lose a job? Like there's a lot of movement going to happen in the human resource side of, of the education system that's not going to benefit any of the students. And so all this chaos, there's not enough thought put into anything. Yeah, you think a strike is pretty likely. Well, I, I mean, they seem to be, you know, quite positioned. I listened to um, the minister's uh, speech last night, and <coughs> it in, he's indicated that, you know, he's not really moving and talking around in circles and not making a commitment to anything. Oh, yes, they'll meet. There's no way that the government could say no to a meeting after you've sure. got an 82.6% illegal strike vote. They have to go to that meeting. Um, and then everybody's going to be doing their spinning to figure out how they come out of it and all save face. Do you have any advice for the union? Well, uh, yes, I actually I have advice for for the union and the public in a way. You're too far down this road to back down now. 
you have like if if the issues are what you say they are and the, the student is first in the classroom and the conditions in the classroom the conditions with her children are with special needs the conditions of of not enough supports not even the proper textbooks not enough supplies so if those are really the issues then you can't back down now you got to take it you got to take it to the wall if you back down now what all you do is create then you know next time you take a fight on it's like you cry wolf too many times they're crying wolf town now. They've got to go to the wall with it. Joan, thanks for coming in. Oh, you're very welcome. I've been speaking with Joan Jessen, the retired retired uh, president of the Nova Scotia General Government General Employees. Government, yeah. yeah. Always get that wrong. NSGU, okay. uh, and now small business owner. No, no, a small business. Yes, I've got yeah. a little small business working out of my garage, and I've got a little uh, Facebook page, and. I'm Quite busy, actually. It'd be a lot busier doing we'll, weddings. We'll give, we'll give links to all that. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Great. You've been listening to Examiner Radio, and we'll return right after this. That's a wrap for this week's Examiner Radio, the weekly radio show and podcast produced by the Halifax Examiner. As always, this episode is tech by Mark Pinio. Hey, Mark. Hello, everybody. Thanks, as always. No problem. Uh, I'm Tim Bousquet. And I'm Tara Tyre. As always, we'd love to know what you think. Send an email to podcast at halifaxexaminer.ca. And a reminder, Examiner Radio airs on CKDU 88.1 FM in Halifax every Friday at 4.30 p.m. Or listen online at ckdu.ca. The longer podcast version is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and everywhere else you find podcasts. And please subscribe so you automatically receive a new episode every week. And please subscribe to the Halifax Examiner. Coming up. (laughs) Did you hear it? (laughs) I heard that. I don't have any food here, otherwise I'd feed you. (laughs) That's Joan Jessup. (laughs) 